Welcome to Counterthought, a podcast conserving America's freedom, culture, and values. This is Brian Kletter, the creator and host of the podcast. You can engage with the podcast on Instagram at counter underscore thought or at Counterthought CEO and on our Facebook page, Counterthought Podcast. For audio versions of the podcast, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. And for video versions of the podcast, join us on YouTube at the Counterthought channel. Let's go. In a single generation, abortion has gone from safe but rare to be considered women's health care. The overturning of Roe v. Wade earlier this summer kicked a hornet's nest on both sides of the abortion argument. But which arguments make sense? And how on earth did we get here? Welcome to another episode of Counterthought. Today I have another guest and I will bring her on shortly. Uh, First though, I want to share a couple of my thoughts regarding the topic of this episode, which is abortion. Over the life of this podcast or the 60 plus episodes that I have done, I have not dedicated a single episode to be solely about abortion. Well, that changes with this episode. I have mentioned abortion and my thoughts about it in other episodes, but I have not gone in depth with it or anything like that. I've made some arguments like on the, on the feminism episode that I had early on, I think around episode, episode four and talked about how, well, where are the feminists today? Because the number of abortions that have occurred about 70 million, you could argue that half of those were going to be, were, were girls were women, future women. So where are the feminists advocating against abortion because you are taking 35 million women since Roe v. Wade off of this planet. And then as a larger group, the whole group, think of all of the innocent lives that have been taken through this murderous act. But somehow we've gone from safe but rare during Clinton to 30 years later to be considered women's health care. And the arguments that I've heard in favor of abortion, I don't say pro-choice because if you are if you are pro-choice and what it means today between choosing if you can or cannot or are allowed or are not allowed to have an abortion, then you are pro-abortion. If you are allowing someone to choose to have an abortion, then you are pro-abortion because you're keeping that as, as an option. Me, I believe that the choice that needs to be made is before sex occurs. There's this issue in this lack of responsibility. It takes two to make a baby. And the choice that you make or that is made that no one is taking accountability for in this pro-abortion cohort, those who advocate for women to have their right to choose, they're choosing the wrong choice. The choice is whenever you are about to engage in sexual activity. There is no contraceptive that is 100%. And if you are not ready, you and your partner are not ready for the potential consequences, which could be a baby, then you should not engage in that sexual activity. There are plenty of ways to still be pleasured. Now, from my Christian beliefs, sex is reserved for, you know, a husband and a wife, and it is designed by God to be great and wonderful and pleasurable. And all of that is is well and good. And that was the intention. But those who are engaging in premarital sex, whether it's the hookup culture or, you know, just maybe they don't have Christian beliefs, whatever. One of the consequences of engaging in sexual activity is a pregnancy and a pregnancy is a baby. But the choice is not after you get pregnant. The choice needs to be made and the responsibility needs to be needs to be had prior to engaging in sex. We're going to talk about that and so much more. I am pleased now to be joined by Nikki, or you may know her as Red Girl in a Blue World. Nikki, thank you so much for joining me for this discussion on abortion. Please take a second to introduce yourself and tell everybody where they can find you. Thanks so much for having me, Brian. I am so excited to have this conversation. I can be found on pretty much all social media at Red Girl in a Blue World on Instagram and TikTok, which is where I'm most active. And then for the podcast, I can be found on Apple Music, Spotify, 
Amazon, Google Podcasts, and then the link. I have the link in my Instagram bio and TikTok bio, so you can also listen online. Awesome. All right, let's let's dive right in. So abortion has been a hot topic, lack of a better term, a hot topic this year, um, really in the summertime with the overturning of, of Roe v. Wade. I've touched on abortion a couple of times in previous episodes, but I've never dedicated an entire episode to it. So again, thanks for joining me and, and being um, willing to talk about it with me. Yeah, of course. This is an important discussion that needs to be had. So I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about it. Yes. Yeah, so as a, I must admit, I am a follower of yours on Instagram. I listen <laughs> to your podcast and everything. So I know you went to the the TPUSA Young Women's Leadership Summit. I think I have that correct. The YWLS. Yes. YWLS. Yep. And in one of your podcasts after that, you talked about how the hill that you were going to die on was going to be abortion. I think I have that right. Yeah, there, there are a few hills. There, I, <laughs> few Transgenderism hills. is a hill. This is a hill. There have been a few hills since YWLS. So what, so what is it about abortion that makes it so important to you? So first I'll talk about YWLS and what inspired me. Allie Beth Stuckey was talking about, she gave a bunch of pieces of advice, three pieces. And um, one of them was choose your hill. And when she first said it, I said there, I was confused. I was like, what is she talking about? She says, choose your hill you want to die on. It's so hard to focus on everything. Our minds would go crazy if we were focusing on everything. So focus on something, dedicate everything to that, and then maybe choose another one. And I'm like, oh, that's great advice. Let me do that. So I... During um, the conference, we had obviously it was a lot about what it means to be a woman, showing our femininity and everything like that. And in relation to that, you have transgenderism and everything with that that's kind of trying to strip down uh, femininity and everything like that. So that was my first hill. And then uh, a few weeks later, Roe v. Wade was overturned and obviously huge, monumental so I decided that that was going to be my hill that I was going to focus on social media. I haven't unfortunately had an episode strictly about abortion since then, but all, a bunch of my social media has been dedicated to speaking about abortion and kind of talking about really why constitutionally this was the right move, not even like morally for me, but more so that abortion should have been left to the states anyway. And that's all they were doing was making abortion the way it should be, which is left to the states to decide. So that has been my hill. That's why I chose it. And yeah, it's been a it's been a crazy journey since the overturning. Many discussions, sometimes arguments. So it's definitely been a wild ride, but it's been good. And I've been happy to be able to talk about it freely and openly and everything. Yeah, and abortion is very polarizing. <clears throat> Right. One could argue that maybe, you know, maybe it shouldn't even be argued from a political standpoint. It should just be argued from, you know, a moral standpoint, morality and everything. So in your conversations that you've had or arguments, uh, debates, whatever you want to call it, can you kind of, I guess, describe how, how those have gone? Because I mean, putting yourself out there for abortion is like to me, as mm -hmm. a guy, you know, whatever guys are told, like they don't have an opinion, but then in other instances, they, they do have, they are yeah. allowed to have opinions and are supposed to stand up for women's rights yeah. <laughs> and, and the like. So, um, I guess just what is the, can you provide a little more detail about the experience that you have had since, you know, choosing this to be one of your hills to die on? So yeah, definitely. So first talking about like politically, like you said, I don't know if it's a political conversation in the way that I don't think it's a political conversation is when you talk about like federally, like personally, I don't think like presidents should be promoting themselves as pro-life or pro-choice. It's not done at a federal level. Like I said, it's just up to the states. So when I think when that started to happen, that caused a bigger issue. But anyway, not speaking politically, talking morally, I all of my conversations have been with other females and all of them have really been focused on the point of just how sex is a natural instinct of humans and to give into that and possibly have a like if you give into that and follow your not you're just following your natural instinct by having sex you're and whatever and obviously a byproduct of that is having babies but why should the mother be punished for following her natural instinct, which is to have sex. 
And that's where I have the issue with the argument. I've also gotten arguments. I've actually had also very civil, civil discussions with people who we disagree completely. And where I find that we just end up, we cannot agree. The conversation is just going in circles is when we talk about when does life begin. For me, it's at conception. I have had many discussions where people don't agree that it's at conception. So then it's just how how can we progress this conversation if we don't agree on the fundamental of human life beginning at conception? And I eventually had to end these conversations saying, obviously, we disagree on when life begins. You think it's at wherever wherever they think it is. I, The people I've talked to have <laughs> had many different viewpoints of when life begins, which is also yeah. very interesting. Um, mm-hmm. But I it's hard to have a conversation with somebody who is just constantly going in circles saying the same thing. And I'm just sticking on my ground saying, because a lot of conversations were, well, the Texas bill I, is just measuring uh, like waves or something. She got all things. It was measuring waves. And I'm like, well, that doesn't really matter to me because I still think it starts at conception. And then uh, she started talking about other different states and their laws. And I said, okay, so then what about the Maryland bill that proposed abortion uh, 28 days after birth, after birth? So now they're living, they're outside the womb. Mm -hmm. And for you, so are you still denying that as a human life? I, I, even though, I I mean, I, I get like how, and then it's it just started to spiral. So my experiences have been quite interesting because, like I said, it's interesting to see that people have different views of when life begins. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's it's been, like I said, a wild ride in the discussion realm of abortion for me. So yeah, I feel <clears throat> I feel like there are so many ways to, I don't want to say attack this, but there's so many different ways for, for those who are, I don't even want, I don't even use the term pro-choice anymore. I just say pro-abortion. Yeah. Um, like, let's be real here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? I had a, it's funny you say that. I had a theology teacher in high school and he would say, I'm pro-choice. And we were all like, whoa, 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 what? And he was like, you're either choosing not to have sex or you're choosing to have sex, possibly have a baby and keep the life. And I was like, okay, I kind of, that kind of makes sense. But you got to like preface it before you just go and say that when you're, um, teaching the theology class <laughs> right so, yeah because the assumption but, is when you say choice you're talking about <laughs> after the sex has occurred exactly um but when he said it i was like that actually like that makes sense um mm-hmm. but i like the term pro-life better but <laughs> whatever yeah. so I, so i was going to ask you one question but now that you told that uh, little anecdote i'm going to go that way first and <laughs> okay. then we'll come back to my other question okay so the choice and and i made this argument to to a friend of mine it was actually to a friend of mine's mom through her anyway it was <laughs> it was like a social media thing anyway. yeah <laughs> to me there there's this lack of accountability mm-hmm. and really the accountability starts at the choice to have sex i mean there is <clears throat> it is no surprise that one of the consequences of having sex is pregnancy mm-hmm. there is no um there is no contraception or anything that is 100%, you know, foolproof yep. to work. So to go, so to go in and like you're saying how people are talking about, Oh, it's just a sex is a natural desire. And yes, God created sex to be a wonderful thing between a husband and a wife. Um, so just to be like, Oh, well, you know, I don't accept the consequences of my actions or, Oh, you know, I, I used a condom or I used birth control or I used some other method. I didn't think that, you know, we we're going to get pregnant even though again, there's no hundred percent like yeah. contraceptive, nothing like that. So for me, I'm just, I'm just flabbergasted for lack of a better term at the, the people who mm-hmm. they do not accept any responsibility. And my argument is the choice, like you were just talking about with, um, with your teacher, your professor is your, your choice is whether or not you're going to have sex. If you are not ready to accept the potential, even if it's like, one in a thousandth chance, one in a millionth chance. If you are not ready, whether it's mentally, physically, financially, whatever, if the relationship you have with that individual who you are engaging in sex with, if you know that, hey, if we got pregnant, this would not go well, you know, like we're not going to stick together, you know, you're not going to stick around, all that kind of stuff. That is when you have, that is when you are making your choice. Your choice is whether or not 
to have sex or to not have sex. It's not after you have sex and then decide and then like, oops, mm -hmm. now I'm going to choose. So I guess, where do you, what are your thoughts on that? And um, if you could just, I guess, elaborate, I guess, lay out, I guess, your argument against the, against pro-abortion. Because again, we're not going to say pro-choice, pro-abortion. Yeah. And, and do you, I guess, agree with what I was just talking about, how mm -hmm. the choice is actually before you have sex? Yes. I think everything you said, 100%, I agree with. I The only way to 100% guarantee that you will not get pregnant is to abstain. Mm -hmm. And that literally the only way like you said nothing is foolproof and in some of these arguments it was well what about these what about these girls taking birth control or doing this and doing that and i'm like okay like it doesn't matter because you still see these stories of people who take their birth control daily and it still happens nothing is foolproof like you said so when it comes to accountability i think my generation is has lack of accountability all across the board. And this is just the biggest example of showing that. I think another example is wanting um, forgiveness of student loans. I think if you choose to go to college, you're choosing to also take on the loans that you may have from choosing to go to school. There are different avenues um, that you can be very successful than besides going to um, college or university. So if that if it debt is something you don't really want to have, there are many different options for you. You can be so successful doing a number of different things, not just going to school. And I think that that's also something that my generation is fed, but that's a different conversation. I'm just using that as an example of right. as a lack of accountability. But in these conversations I'd have with people, they would say, like I said, that it was our natural in instinct. That's number, like that's the number one, that purpose for sex, the, the natural instinct, that it's pleasurable, that it's enjoyable. And I'm like, no. The primary purpose of having sex is to procreate. That is why God makes sex. And like you said, he did make it to be a wonderful thing and pleasurable, but because it brings you, brings new life into the world. So this is just another place I disagreed. And I remember at YWLS, Charlie Kirk, one of the things he said in one of his speeches was, making pleasure the most important thing is very dangerous. And I think you can apply that to the situation with abortion. If you are thinking let me have sex. This is pleasurable. This is like, this feels good, but you're not thinking about one, the consequences and two, that you like you, that is bringing life into the world and you're just focusing on pleasure. Then you need to have accountability for yourself and say, okay, I chose pleasure. Now mm -hmm. I need to bring this life into the world. So, and I think, and for women, I think that also goes for men. I think that men should be held accountable personally as well. I hate the argument that men don't have a say in abortion. I think that is ridiculous. It takes two to right. uh, have a baby. So men, just because a woman is carrying it doesn't mean a man has any less say when he is the father of that child. So I think that imagine we created a bill that said a woman has an unwanted pregnancy. So now, now the father of the child has to provide child support. I would bet you that the amount of sex that occurs, especially in young people, uh, premarital sex would mm -hmm. go way down. Because if a guy is now thinking, oh, crap, if I get this girl pregnant, I need to provide her with child support. I cannot afford any of that as mm -hmm. however old they may be. Um, I, I can't I don't think I could do it. And again, if they're putting pleasure first, they're not even going to be thinking about all of that. But I, it would just be interesting to see if a bill was created like that or something was created like that, what would happen then? Because now men are also being held accountable for their actions, which I think is also important. Like I said, um, this just because the woman is carrying the baby, it takes two to tango. So men need to be held accountable as well. So I'm kind of going on a tangent, but lack of accountability in my generation is huge. And I think the biggest reason why they are fighting so hard for abortion to be legal mm -hmm. across the board again. So, yeah. And the arguments, I guess, in support of, of abortion to me, just like a lot of things that are, that are progressive, progressive, liberal, whatever they, they eventually, <clears throat> they, they don't hold water. They, they like eat at themselves mm -hmm. as the farther and farther you go down the path and everything else. So like one of the arguments I hear is, okay, well, like you mentioned at the, at early, a little bit earlier, talks about 
when does life begin? Can we at least agree on that? And that can't even be agreed upon. One of the arguments on the um, anti-abortion, the pro-life side is, well, you know, if a woman is pregnant and she is shot and killed or, you know, killed and the baby also dies, that person is then <clears throat> guilty or charged with like du double homicide. And it wouldn't surprise me that when you bring that up in an argument with someone who is pro-abortion that they would probably say, oh, well, you know, like they wouldn't agree. Like, oh, well, that probably wasn't even, you know, wasn't even really a baby, right? You know, she was maybe 20 weeks pregnant. It wasn't viable and all that stuff. So the viability argument is one I hear often, maybe most often. And if to me with that argument, if you go a little bit, just like talk about a little bit farther with an individual, if they're willing to have that discussion with you, is okay, well, if we're going to talk about viability, viability is, you know, like able to, to live on its, on its own, to be born and, you know, to, to be able to breathe and everything else and not have to be hooked up to any machines or, you know, be in the NICU for weeks on end until they are developed, developing developmentally ready to, to, you know, be outside of like the NICU in the, those yeah. cases. But if we talk about viability and go a little bit further, it's like, okay, well, when a baby is born, let's say it goes full term, you know, born at 40 weeks, you can't just leave the baby and not care for it. Mm -hmm. You can't do that with a one-year-old. You can't do that with a two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old. <clears throat> I have two toddlers. If I just abandoned, if they were just abandoned, they would not survive. So this viability argument, it's like, okay, well, what are we going to go? Are we going to go all the way out to like, I don't know, age eight and a third it, grader or something? Because I mean, let's be real here. Yeah, kids that's also take care of themselves. Yeah, that's also an interesting argument because you see many elderly people who need help to also survive, whether that be having somebody cook them food, help them walk. Mm -hmm. What if that you didn't give them the assistance? Is Are you going to make the same argument then? I, I think that's a really good argument because you can make the same ar argument then if you didn't take care of yourself, how are you going to survive? I think it could be made an argument made really at any age, because mm -hmm. if you weren't getting, you weren't feeding yourself, you weren't getting proper sleep, you weren't doing whatever, you're also not going to survive or be living a life worth living, I guess, if you're not going to be taking care of your yourself. So I think that that argument is a really great argument and really could be used at all stages of life to help them see the bigger picture. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I thought that was really oh, good. No, no. <laughs> you're the guest. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> ranting myself. <clears throat> um, so you did an episode on hookup culture. Mm -hmm. The one of the arguments, or I guess to me, the way I interpret it is the reason women's health care, abortion rights, is framed as women's health care, which is ridiculous. Yeah. But where do you think that that comes from, uh, trying to label it as women's health care? Does it have any kind of tie into the hookup, the hookup culture that exists today? Is it just a way for, for the argument, you know, to kind of soften it up a little bit so people are like, oh, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's women's health care. You know, it's not the murdering of, a, of an innocent child trying to grow in, you know, the life that it has been given. You know, no, it's women's mm -hmm. health care. Do you think women's health, that women's health care argument and hookup culture are, are tied together at all? Or if not, like, can you just maybe tell us first a little bit more about hookup culture and what you talked about in that episode? And maybe we can kind of figure out yeah. if that is, you know, directly affecting this whole pro-abortion mm -hmm. argument within, I would say, my generation, millennials, and then mm -hmm. yours as well with, with Gen Z. Yeah. I so in my hookup culture uh discussion I had on a fellow male that was 22 years old so it was really cool to get both the perspective from a female and a male and we just we did talk about the lack of accountability we talked about why there is this hookup culture and it really all came back to the lack of accountability and putting pleasure above all but and when it comes to women's healthcare I think people just get confused because they just think like, obviously, when a woman is carrying a child, there are physical changes to her body, um, hormonal changes, mental change. Like there's a lot going on to the woman herself when she's carrying a child. So I think people misconstrued that and said, well, um, now like this is now going to be women's health care because you need to. It, it's like 
It's like, it, oh, your body goes through these changes, these hormonal yeah. changes, and now that we're taking those hormonal changes away from you, now it's considered healthcare. Yes, exactly. Don't, don't, and, don't look over here, though, that we're killing a baby. Mm -hmm. And I've seen many, like Turning Point has put out this meme. I've seen it everywhere, though. It's like a pregnant woman's just like silhouette, and it's like her body, and it's like from her uh, head to her like right above her stomach like where you would see the uh bump and then mm -hmm. it's like not her body and then it's her legs and it's like her body and i think that that's so true because you can't you just it it, it sometimes i i have it makes me speechless because i don't understand it and i i can't even see where they're coming from sometimes i don't understand how it's women's health care, how it falls under that category. Again, I think it has to do with like the hormonal changes. When you take birth control, there are hormonal changes in your body. I think it all gets misconstrued. And like you said, I do think it's more of a blanket over the real issue of we are killing a innocent child. Mm -hmm. And when you say, oh, it's women's health care, you don't care about a woman, then people who don't, don't really understand are like, oh, well then no, I don't, I want a woman. I want to, I, I want that baby to live. But when you just say it's women's health care, they're like, well, I want to take care of women. Why wouldn't I want to do that? So I do, I think they're, it's related to hookup culture. I don't know, maybe hookup culture in general, but I think maybe my generation, um, especially just growing up in this um, culture of, a, of abortion, really, because um, our entire lives, we've known nothing than abortions being legal mm -hmm. where, where they were and to how, to what extent they were um, able to be legal. So um, I think it just, I don't know if they are directly correlated, but I think you could probably find some similarities in um, different arguments or um, things about hookup culture that flow into women's healthcare just in the general sense. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And one of the things I mentioned at the outset of our discussion, or I think actually yeah, one of the things that I mentioned at the outset of our discussion was how I haven't really have not had a an episode dedicated to the conversation about about abortion. I've mentioned it in other episodes. One of the thing, one of the ways in which I've talked about it is I did an episode on feminism, and I was like, "Where are the feminists at?" You know, if you're supposed to be supporting women, and I believe the current count of the number of of uh, babies that have been aborted since Roe v. Wade back in the in, in the 70s mm -hmm. was like 70 million babies, and we know that. It's like a 50-50 split basically and the, between men and women who are here in, in our country, like in alive in the mm -hmm. United States. So you could easily just say, okay, well, let's say 35 million girls, females, women have been aborted. Where are the feminists? Yep. That goes back to this whole like progressive mindset of it eats away at itself. It, it can't hold water. It, it just falls apart because if you're truly a feminist, then you would be supporting women. So where is the outcry then for the unborn Yep. And you can say the same thing for um, BLM or anything uh, so wanting um, equality minority-wise. Yep. Um, you you aren't even giving, yeah, transgender too. You're you're not even giving the, this baby a chance to live and decide and you're you're fighting for the rights of transgender. How do you know that that baby didn't want a decision to be transgender? And mm -hmm. we know that the number of um, African-American children that are aborted is extremely high. So where are also those people? Where are the BLM activists, you know? So like Black Lives Matter, but obviously they don't in the womb. It's, mm -hmm. So it, it's like, like you said, it really, they eat away at their own argument. You see it, you see it constantly. You see it happen between feminism and transgenderism. Where, where are the feminists when you have biological men infiltrating women's sports? Where are they then? Um, the radical feminism movement is, they're out of their minds. We're in what <laughs> the fourth the fourth wave now, I think, or yeah. maybe five. I'm yeah, not entirely I think, sure. I think it would probably be considered the fourth, but you never know. We might be going into a fifth with the transgender uh movement as well. So mm -hmm. it's yeah, it's crazy. What about what do you think of the argument of hey, people who may may think people who are pro abortion might think, hey, we're actually doing the responsible thing because we currently live in poverty, so we don't want to bring a baby into this world who's automatically going to be in poverty, and that's just going to be another, you know, mouth to feed on in the welfare system, and you know, not going to be setting up this baby to have any type of bright future. All the obstacles that they're going to overcome, and that is our justification for our quote unquote accidental pregnancy. 
and why we want to to terminate it. What do you think about that argument? I think my first question would be, why does that make that baby's life not worth living? Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I think just because that they're going to be born in poverty and maybe not be as, um, fi- uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just let my uh, mind. Financially um, uh, sound like or have like a, yeah, a good starting um, point. Yeah, That's what like, I kind of think of as like yes. a, la- a launching point or something like that yeah. for their life. Yeah, it, just because they're not oh as fortunate, just because they might not be as fortunate as a baby born into a different circumstance, that doesn't mm-hmm. make their life any less valuable. Right, and also give them the, give them the opportunity to m- maybe do something about it. Um, I saw, it just reminded me while I'm just talking. I saw this really interesting thing. I'm probably I think it was like Facebook or something, but it was somebody praying for the um cure for abortion, and. Uh, it was like, God, please give us this cure for abortion. And God's answer was, I tried and you killed that baby, like however many times it was. And that, that, that really hit hard because you aren't, you aren't giving these children a chance to do anything with their lives. Any of those arguments about foster care system or um, adoption, any of those arguments, I think, why does that make that baby's life less valuable? I really think that's just what it comes down to just because, um, you see, and you see, this is why my generation is crazy. You see people holding up posters saying, I um I I wish I was aborted or something. Are you crazy? Like right. what? Like this is these are the things that people um I I can't even wrap my mind around it. And the fact that it's nor- like so normalized is insane. Mm-hmm. Um in in what what you were telling me, you said it did come from safe and rare to now used as a form of birth control. It was never intended to be that way. It was never intended to be that way. And people, and in these discussions I've had with people, they say, well, where's our happy happy medium then? I go, well, we had one. And then you just wanted to keep taking more. And again, it was the one that we had still what I would have wanted. No, it probably wasn't they would would have wanted either. But like we had a so-called happy medium Mm -hmm. and you weren't happy with it. You now, you you went from safe and rare to 28 days after birth. And I saw a woman making an argument, I believe it was on, um, I either saw it on the Daily Wire or Turning Point, they put this video out of the woman making, she was talking with somebody and they said, what if they want to um, have an abortion? I, I also say, hate that they were still using that term, but I think it was just for the purpose of the question, asking the question to them. Mm-hmm. What about when they're one years old, two years old, three years old? This woman's response every time was, "Well, that's the mother's choice." Well, that's the mother's choice. At at two and three years old, it's the mother's yeah. choice that to commit a murder. Like right. now, now you can't even you can't can't even cloak the fact that, that is just stone cold murder. It still is, but you know what I mean. Like you, it's so it's just it's just really spiraled, and I kind of forget the question and what I was answering because I again went on a tangent, but it is really spiraled. The, and, the people who say that they're doing it because they don't right. want their child in poverty. <laughs> yes, I think any of any argument like that. Uh, again, we go back to the question: Is why does that make that child's life less valuable than anybody else's life? Yeah, and that and what you mentioned there about how. Um, I guess the, the symbolism of, you know, like I, I, of God saying, responding, I gave you mm-hmm. the answer through a child, but you, that child was aborted. I've made that argument plenty of times. I'm not sure if I've made that argument on one of my podcast episodes, but I've made that argument just as a regular yeah. human being, a citizen, you know, like living my life in, in the years prior to this whole uh, mm-hmm. that podcast launching and everything else. But yeah, it's been, can you imagine of the 70 million that have been aborted what the the possibilities of those of those babies who never got to live their life i mean look at all the problems we have in this world and yes you can make the argument that oh, one person can't solve everything or maybe not but maybe one person can solve a current issue or be a a a force in a realm for good or something like that and mm-hmm. and we will never know yeah because someone was selfish enough and not responsible and decided to take the life that was not theirs to take. Yep. And the number of nonsensical arguments that there that exist in my opinion for this like for pro abortion is it's like never it's never ending like in that um example you you gave you know this this person 
someone who maybe makes the claim of, oh, you know, I don't want them to live to grow up in poverty or something like that. They're not going to have any kind of success because they're going to go to a bad school, live in a bad neighborhood, get involved in the bad, bad life. And it's just going to be this never ending, like generational poverty. It's just going to be another mouth on, you know, in the welfare system and everything mm-hmm. else. Oh, well, that's nice for you to, to care about the child, but how about you care about the child after they're, they're born, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and again, just like, we haven't even brought up the fact that one of the nonsensical arguments, probably the most popular is, you know, I can't help but notice that the people who are pro-abortion are alive. I was just about to say that one. I was going to say everybody fighting for abortion is living. So mm-hmm. how can you make the argument for somebody who doesn't even get that opportunity? And I think that's what makes our um, stance so special that we are giving those innocent children a, a voice um, and what makes also their argument again so ridiculous because you are like you said you're alive you your um, parents decided to give birth to you mm-hmm. you you and you're fighting to not have that and I I just can't I can't wrap my head around it like you have two children I don't understand when people get to do that amazing gift of bringing life into the world and then want to not allow that to happen all across the board for everybody. I don't, I don't understand um, pro uh, abortioners who have children. You're, re- you're reading my mind. Cause that was literally <laughs> what I'm thinking about is I was going to ask you, I was going to be like, Nikki, can you, this is one I don't understand. Can you maybe explain it to me a little bit better is the people who are pro abortion, you know, my body, my choice, it's a women's right to choose. Mm-hmm. And then, but they are also the person who wants to become pregnant one day in their life. How did, like you were just saying, how does that work? I just don't. How can you be like, yay, I'm pregnant. But at the same time, (laughs) hey, if you got pregnant, I support you if you want to kill your baby. Yeah, it, it, it really doesn't make any sense to me. I, I can't fathom after, or even just the thought of wanting to be a mother or father one day, then thinking that you wouldn't I, I I actually can't fathom it. I don't understand I don't understand those people. They're they're a mystery. I um there's no better way to uh describe it. I think again it goes back to the cloaking of the um real issue, which is uh, murdering a child and they're painting it as women's health care. So um when you look at it through that lens, uh, maybe those people aren't truly understanding. And I really do think that that's what it comes down to. I think I really do, don't think that people truly want to wrap their minds around what's happening. I think they want to be blind to it. I well, they want to put on their blinders and say, I don't I don't want to believe that. I want to deny that I have allowed this to happen for 50 years. So I'm going to pretend like it's not and still paint it as women's healthcare. I think it's like a whole denial thing for most for a lot of people. I really think that that might be the case because if you truly think about it, I don't and you see a newborn child, I don't understand how you're okay with it. And I remember in high school um, my best friend and I were having a discussion about it and her cousin had just given birth and I was like, show me pictures, blah, 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 show me the pictures. And so we had had the discussion like a week or so prior and I was just still like simmering in it, not okay with <laughs> her thoughts on it. And then she showed me the picture and I said, so you're okay. You're okay with people killing those babies then in the womb. And she just kind of looked at me and I was like, well, yeah, like that's what's going on. Like, don't you see? And she kind of just was silent. And mm-hmm. um, and in that moment, I think she was like, oh, crap. Now I kind of I kind of am seeing like what's going on Um, because I just don't understand how you see a picture of a newborn child and you're OK with it and especially OK with it 28 days after birth. And it's also crazy to me because you see. I'm sorry, again, going on a little rant here. You see people, ah, go on, go on. like you said, who are so excited to be pregnant, they put their ultrasound on the fridge, right? You see that all mm-hmm. the time. People are posting pictures with their ultrasound. So you think that's a life, but when it's in somebody else's body, now it's not. So it, it, it's Good very contradictory. Point. It's very hypocritical. Um, and I think a lot of progressive uh, progressive arguments are incredibly hypocritical this being one of them especially when you talk about when does life begin at eight weeks you're putting a ultrasound on your fridge but for somebody else at eight weeks that's not a life 
But for you, you're you're recognizing that it's a life because you're excited that you're about to bring that life into the world in 32 more weeks. So it's they they talk in circles. And mm-hmm. again, if you come up with a definite answer, life begins at conception, which it does. It that's that's where it all begins. And when earlier you were talking, I wrote my phone because I just wanted to mention at some point in uh while we were talking in the Bible, I don't know exactly what verse it is, but it says I, God says, like, I, when I created you, I knew you in the womb. Like, before you were out of the womb, I knew you. I created mm-hmm. you. So how, again, how people's, especially Christians who are pro-abortion, I don't understand because it literally says there, God knew them in the womb. Right. <laughs> but you're denying them their life. So it's, it's again, very hypocritical. Yeah. And the, and because abortion has become political, it's been political for, Definitely the last 20 to 30 years, going back to, to the 90s, I think, under mm-hmm. Clinton is uh, is when it was still considered, you know, rare, you know, safe, but rare, you know, like instances of, of rape or incest mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, but the the Democrat Party today, especially the further and further you go down the, the spectrum of, of the left, it's all about keeping you like in this heightened state of emotions, which cuts off all like logic and reason and, and clear thinking and, and all that. So one of the things we we talked about at the beginning was Roe v. Wade and that overturning, and then you probably noticed this as well because you're you know you're tapped into the news just like <laughs> I am and everything. But one of the things that the Democrat Party was ruling out was like, oh, now that lives are at risk for all of these all of these women because they could currently be living in a state that's going to have one of these little trigger laws, and now abortion is illegal. Then how are they going to get an abortion? They're going to you know have to they won't they won't be able to cross over state lines. Was one of the lies being spread? There's a whole story going back to about this girl who had to go from like Ohio to Indiana and to get an abortion and everything else because she didn't think she was going to get one in Ohio. And Ohio's like, well, no, actually in our law, it would have been allowed because it was through rape and everything else. So, you know, these lies being spread and people just taking it, women taking it and consuming it mm-hmm. and like, oh, yeah, you know, like this is this is outrageous. You know, women are going to die because of this. Don't worry about the babies that are going to die. <laughs> yeah. It's all about the the woman, mm-hmm. the the woman who knew exactly what she's getting into. Mm-hmm. And the man, right? Like you said, it takes two. Mm-hmm. So what do you think about how the I guess the um the playbook so to speak of the Democrat party especially the more the the liberal and progressive aspects of it who um just perpetuate these these lies to get to keep people in this heightened emotional state and really now I'm the one having like the brain fog <laughs> what I'm thinking of, but you know, really um, just really taking the whole, the whole issue of abortion and just making it, I guess, spreading these lies, I guess, to further their cause, which is the advocacy of the murdering of, of a baby. Yeah. And before I go into that, you mentioned like the news and everything like that, um, talking about these lies that are being spread when the overturning was happening and it's there but it's also um through uh celebrities and hollywood i uh follow many celebrities one of my favorite shows is one tree hill don't know if you've watched or heard of it but many I didn't of watch the- it when it was currently a show but i've I caught up uh, <laughs> oh yes to, thanks to Fair- my wife yeah oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes yeah, she's a smart one it's my favorite show um but a uh, few of the actresses, Hillary Burton being one, because it just sticks out. Sophia Bush is also um, very outspoken on topics like this, but was posting about how when now when women have miscarriages, they're going to have to be uh, questioned and they might go to jail. And um, I, I think to myself, you are you are now part of spreading these lies to people mm-hmm. that are just not true. She's like an ectopic pregnancies and all of these things. If you read the um, the bills that these states created, they have... Like, first of all, an ectopic pregnancy, that's not an abortion. That doesn't count as abortion. It, it says that on Planned Parenthood's website as well. That's besides the fact. Planned Parenthood. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so that's one thing. But then also when you talk about miscarriages and all of, all of those lies that people are trying to spread, that it's that that is that's not that's not an abortion. It, it's it's simply that's not that's not an abortion. That's not the definition of abortion. Abortion is the terminating of a pregnancy. You're when you have a miscarriage, you are not terminating that pregnancy. That happens naturally, and it does happen often. And it, and the, I hate using that because when that when a woman goes through a miscarriage, that is 
you have felt an attachment now, um, like the, all with all the chemicals in your brain, you had this attachment to this human growing inside of you, which is, again, mm-hmm. is another argument for the, this was a life, obviously. Right. And it's like devastating when that happens. So to use so that they're smart because then they use that knowing that that's devastating when that happens to women, they use that to say, you want that to be a devastating thing. And they twist the knife even more and say, well, now she could possibly go to jail because that's going to be considered as an abortion, mm-hmm. which is totally untrue. Yes. So it, which is totally untrue. So the news is spreading these lies. And then you have people that, um, that are celebrities that we look up to that we see and we're like, well, if they believe that I'm, I must believe that, uh, Taylor Swift has become very, I love Taylor Swift, but she's become very political in recent years. And when you have young girls following her and she's speaking out on these things, then I, you, you're going to be like, well, if she believes that I, I have to, it's just, yeah. she's fighting for women. I have to do that too. So these lies, yes, are by the news and everything, but then they're grabbing young people with their emotions through Hollywood. And it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. And every time, anytime I like find out that, uh, uh, celebrity is uh conservative, I immediately give them a follow because, <laughs> They deserve it because it's especially hard in that environment. And it just goes back to like attaching to those emotions and just working with, with that for the, for most of their arguments. Yeah. I made the argument and I think it was my first episode ever for the podcast Mm -hmm. was about like the, whenever you have more power because people look up to you more influence you have a you should be held to a higher standard of responsibility and like you were mm-hmm. just saying with these you know actors and actresses these <clears throat> famous people in hollywood or just you know someone who's like an instagram influencer or, who, or whomever if you have a significant following significant influence but yet you don't take the time to you yourself be responsible this mm-hmm. is like a second aspect of the whole you know lack of responsibility argument and you're just you know, part of the machine that is going to keep spitting out these, these lies to get people mm-hmm. to accept and be more acceptable of, of abortion. That's just, that is a whole nother problem. That is like a mm-hmm. side effects, not even the right term, but you know, it's just, yeah. it's just part of, again, part of that, that machine. And I once had a woman try to, one of her, her got me, she tried to get me right in this argument an abortion discussion we were having. And she referenced uh, a miscarriage. She's like, a miscarriage is an abortion. And I was like, oh my God. Like I'm going to respond to you one time <laughs> and then we're just going to be done. But I was like, yeah. oh gosh, that is, that is not no the same. Um, yeah. I forget the, the letters. It's like a D D something. It's, it's three letters. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. I'm not sure for, the, for but, the, for the medical term, but I was like, yeah, no, that is, that is not the same. That, that, that is a got you question and it's yep. not, not true. And then like you were saying, mm-hmm. trying to put this fear into women, like, Oh my gosh, if I have a miscarriage, but then I go, is like a policeman going to be there and questioning me and wondering mm-hmm. if I did something on purpose to to cause this miscarriage? This fear is it's like it's diabolical. Mm-hmm. You know, it and is the, the it evil is. that is rooted within it is just it's disgusting. It is, it is. And like I said, it just when you and I see things on the news, we we know better. We can think logically, we can think better. When a um 14 year old sees it on social media and doesn't one know even the resources where to look live action is a amazing organization um that is uh pro-life they don't know anywhere to turn to look and research and uh find things out so when they have somebody that they look up to so much that says these things they're just going to take it and they're not gonna they're not going to look into it so it, it it's so hard especially in this world of social media to when you're so young to figure out what you know and what you believe in my most recent episode i had two girls come on who were diehard liberals at one point in their life and then they realized how to do their research and um, figure things out on their own and then they became conservative i i said i said i think if everybody i think everyone to their core is conservative but they're just fed these lies and they don't really know but if you did your research the right way, I think every single person would become conservative like that. Mm-hmm. So it's it social media can be really scary for especially younger kids because in all aspects they're just fed these things. And again, they're so so emotional. They're going through so many different changes and everything already. And then they're fed these lies. So they're just gonna believe them because they think they're helping people or something. Yeah, I can't. I mean, um, a millennial, I prefer Gen Y. Like, don't get me off on that little tangent <laughs> for the argument against the term millennial. Um, but I'm a millennial, and <clears throat> Nikki, you don't know my age, and we'll keep it at least on camera that way. So, <laughs> Facebook was created when I was 
finishing up high school. I want to say it went to like my junior year of high school. Mm -hmm. And at the time it was the Facebook. Yeah. And before that it was MySpace and then Facebook and then, you know, just continues mm -hmm. to evolve. Twitter came around, I think in like 2008 or something yeah. like that. And, um, but today, like growing up in today's world, I have nieces and nephews. Like I cannot imagine. And then even for my own kids, like growing up with just social media, it, the bombardment of information, um, whether it's politics or just cultural stuff, things that have to do with just general society or, or whatever. But when it comes to the news, you know, that I don't want to get down this whole tangent, yeah. but just, I just wanted to say that, you know, like with social media today, like I, I don't know how I would handle it if I was a kid in today's world, because you want to put your trust in certain people or you do put your trust mm -hmm. in certain people. And then if you don't take your own responsibility to kind of like do your own fact checking and research, which I understand takes time. And that's, I guess, part of the the issue that people don't want to take the time to do their research and they just, you know, pick, yeah. pick someone that they look up to, pick someone they trust and that's their source of truth and whatever they say, they're going to, you know, take it as gold and just going to go on their merry way. And it's just, and if it's, misinformation or disinformation that's just going to then get put back out there from one other source you know that individual which as we were just talking about is one of the major problems with this mm -hmm. with the lies that were being told with the overturning of roe v wade and i want to i have two more questions for you for okay. this discussion yeah. we've talked about everything with abortion like how almost everything under the sun especially like with the arguments for it and you know how it's really goes the the choice actually goes back to before you have sex the choice is whether or not to have sex and then when you make that choice you need to be accepting the responsibility of the consequences that come from it mm -hmm. but spinning away from i guess more so of the the not so i guess positive discussion of of abortion and everything else the not so pretty side of it going back to the advocacy of being pro-life Mm -hmm. one of the arguments that I hear and you may hear as well is like, Oh, well, you're not pro-life. You're just pro-life until the baby's born. And, but you know, as a Republican, as a conservative, you're not for all these social programs that need to be put in place to support the children and, mm -hmm. and everything, especially those that are born like into a, you know, like a teenage pregnancy or born into poverty as we've discussed, you know, earlier. So what can be done on the pro-life side or continue to be done on the pro-life side to, to make sure that we actually that the that the arguments we are making for life mm -hmm. are we like I guess are I guess them. are well yeah like well well could be well received mm -hmm. um and then also could also uh stand up to those arguments saying like oh you're only pro life until the baby is born and then after that you want nothing to do with mm -hmm. you know with like poverty or or things like that how can pro lifers continue to i guess do a good job advocating for life up to and beyond you know the birth birth of a child yeah well i think up to um prayer <laughs> um even afterwards prayer that's probably <laughs> the number one thing that um can be done uh but i think up to speaking out about it really helping and helping these women, making them feel um, safe. I, I know I, I can't imagine being um, a teen getting pregnant. What what do you do? You're scared to tell your parents. Now you have to go to school. What, you you have no money. You, you know mm -hmm. what do you do? Um, there are so many different um, organizations. I mentioned Live Action before. There are um, shelters for these women. Um, I think letting helping the um, mother out, letting her know that she. Well, one isn't alone that you they, she there are resources for her there are people to help her and i think like um like foster care is always a big argument and mm -hmm. there there's so much to be done i know i understand in the foster care system it is it isn't as as perfect as we could all imagine and i think that that's also a huge fear of women like we had mentioned in the argument but like i said it doesn't make their life less valuable by the way anyway um there's so many just resources for these women to turn to to help their child to set them up as best they can for success, even if they can't take care of them themselves. I think that we should could be we should be promoting adoption way more than we are. I think that adopting a child is beautiful. I think that that is amazing, and I think that that's what we could up until birth 
it's really speaking out, giving resources and doing all those things. I think after, I mean, I would love to adopt a child or two. So if that's something that you want, um, try, maybe try to do that. If you're at the place in your life where that's something you could do, but again, still helping these mothers, giving them a place. There's, uh, live action is a great thing. Like I said, I'll say it again. Um, that's Lila Rose. Yes. Lila Rose. She's, she's fantastic. Um, but at YWS, I always forget her name, but she had went through a point in her life. She had an unwanted pregnancy and gave birth to her son. And then she had now later in life after, I think he's around, um, like 18 now, uh, she started an organization. She does uh, baby showers for women on Amazon who, uh, uh, for, with unwanted pregnancies or pregnancies in general, um, mm-hmm. who are debating abortion. She has baby showers for them so people can donate. And um, I can send you her um, Instagram and her name and the Amazon um, wish list and everything. But that's another great thing. So many organizations that you uh, go go to to mm-hmm. back up your argument that it's not just until the baby's born that you want to do uh things for the baby after the baby's born and for the mother after the baby is born. So there those are just a few to name, but there are tons and tons of different resources. Yeah, I don't know how it is um where you live, but here in Florida, especially all along the interstate, mm-hmm. um, not so much on the turnpikes, those are like private roads, but on the interstates here in Florida, there are billboards like every couple of miles it seems like that are you know, like, you know, unplanned pregnancy, call this number and it's like 1-800, you know, such and such. Yes. Um, DeSantis, so I, I love him. So I agree that there needs to be more resources. I know, you know, like, like Republicans and conservatives, it's like, ah, you know, we don't want to spend on all these social programs and stuff. But I've, I would make the argument that there are certain social programs that need to be put in place. Yeah, like we can go the private route as well, you know, as much as possible. But to me, I am fine with there being social programs put in place to help these women because really, truly, if we are pro-life, we have to be pro-life and pro-life, you know, for the life of, mm-hmm. of those children. Um, and if we're going to use an argument like, oh, well, you know, who are you to say that they couldn't come out of poverty to then be successful or whatever, you know, you hear stories about mm-hmm. Ben Carson or other individuals who, you know, grew up in poverty and just became ultra successful and everything else. And it's like, oh, you could have that for your child as well. To me, one of the things we need, and I agree with what you're saying, we need to, through private organizations, and then I would say even also through public Mm -hmm. organizations, funding and things like that, we need to have structures in place to support these women. Because like you Mm -hmm. said, it's, they must feel so overwhelmed when it is, when it is unplanned. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing, when you just like had mentioned the everything you were just talking about also made me think of it's also like after like if a woman chooses to have an abortion Mm -hmm. there's also so many psychological um factors that come into that that happens for women and i'm taking this like way 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 back in our conversation we were talking about women's health care but like you want women's health care but then after this woman chooses to have an abortion she had often has a higher chance of depression high chance of anxiety um suicidal thoughts like there are so many other things that happened, but you don't care about that after. So then you you want women's health care until they kill the baby. Then you don't care about women's health care anymore because of all these other factors that go into it. So it's like all and those are other resources that you want to like you to help women when they're going through it. Because, yes, I understand that an unwanted pregnancy is so I can imagine, like you said, so overwhelming, so stressful. Um, but there are so many there are just so many different avenues that you can turn to to help you get through that time to show you that this is like such a great thing that you could be doing. I believe as a woman, being a mother is like the most important job, what we're made for, the best thing we could do. And I think that showing women that um, more so than like really anything else will like open their eyes um, to even if they choose um, to put the child in foster care up for abortion, um, that you brought a life into this world and that's what you're made to do. So mm-hmm. I it's like, like a think also, yeah, it, it really is. Like I love, like that's a great, like a perfect way to describe it. And I don't, I also don't think that that's often told to women. Um, but again, like all, there's so many different organizations that have these different statistics and things to tell tell women that that's the case. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and I mean, I know not every pregnancy is easy. My my wife had a rough time with with hers, but 
to to see the the joy that a baby should bring to someone's life and then just to to be in the mental mindset and have these beliefs and everything that that to where you don't to where the woman and even the the man who you know impregnate her and everything to, especially if they're trying to leave and not support but to not have that joy like just kind of like wash over you is mm-hmm. is very saddening to me and i, and I don't want to like end yeah. our discussion on a sad note but i just <laughs> don't understand like there has to be something i believe there has to be something mental going on to where you can just like distance yourself and dissociate yourself from what is happening inside of you to where you are not feeling the joy that you should be feeling mm-hmm. bringing another life into this world so yeah. nikki i'm going to give the last word to you um finish our discussion with whatever you want to say regarding the topic of abortion. And then again, if you could just remind everyone where they can find you, where they can follow you and where they can uh, consume red girl in a blue world. Sounds good. On the topic of abortion, I would say speak out. Um, These children need our voices. We're the only voices that they have. Um, They need us. And to any woman out there, I think the biggest argument is we're made for this. We, like you're made for that like that's such like a strong statement you know like you are made you're made for this they're like they're like what i am like it's and it's just such a powerful thing that we the god chose women to be able to bring life into this world you know so take that run with that argument and i there's so many tools out there to help you back up your arguments um when it comes to abortion and um yeah so that's what I all I have to say on abortion to find uh, a red girl in a blue world. Uh, Instagram, TikTok, I use most often at red girl in a blue world. And then you can find my podcast on uh, Apple Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon, and online through Buzzsprout. That's the way I use my podcast. So thank you so much for having me, Brian. I'm no, I rant. It's so different being in this seat because I just feel like I can like freely talk and then I look down at the time and I'm like oh my goodness I have been talking forever so I apologize but thank you so much for having me and giving me the opportunity to talk about this topic that is so 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 important yeah no thank you Nikki for for joining me um I've I'm just very impressed by what you're doing with red girl in the blue world I'm very impressed with um everyone within within your generation who is speaking out at such a young age and fighting for the values of of our country the conservative values that we want to have within our country so again thank you for joining me and i wish you um, the best the most success possible for for you in teaching and also for your podcast as well thank you thank you so much brian that was a fantastic interview with nikki i hope you enjoyed it a lot of great insights there and again as, as she and i talked about we have to do more for those of us who are pro-life to save the lives of these children. There needs to be a structure in place, private and public, I believe, to support the women who are find themselves in the position of an unwanted or an unplanned pregnancy. These, a baby begins at concession, conception. Life begins at conception. We need to be doing everything that we can to advocate and save the lives of these children as we mentioned it just boggles my mind that the fact that the people who are for abortion you're only for abortion because you are in fact alive and your parents chose to give you life so i do not understand how someone who has been given life and their life was not taken away can therefore be so selfish to say hey i don't think that this baby deserves a life you are the mother you are the father you are the advocate for this child you are the one who's supposed to be supporting the child yet you do not advocate or support them that just i don't i will never understand there is no logical argument there is no good reason there is no good reason to say hey i got pregnant didn't want it baby doesn't get a choice when you think about a child and think of you yourself as a child the joy that must have been that must have overcome your mother as she was pregnant with you and your father pregnant with you if you didn't have a father then your mother at least there was the mother in the picture 
how can that same joy not wash over these individuals? I think like Nikki and I discussed, it's, it's a lot of different factors going into it. You know, they're, they're being told lies. The, the wording that is being used to consider it women's health care is used to soften the blow because it is murder. You know, taking lack of responsibility, there's no mention of that because that's, that's, not, what, that's not what they believe in. You know, lies being, uh, being perpetuated by idols, by people, you know, um, that they look up to, other individuals that you look up to, you know, your role models and so on and so forth. There's so many different reasons as to why there, I believe that there are, that abortion has gotten to where it is. Again, it was safe but rare, and now it's considered another form of birth control, which is disgusting. It is disgusting. As we mentioned in that interview, I have I have two boys, and the joy that we were overcome with is it is beyond belief. And then looking at them throughout the day and seeing them grow and develop and the happiness that that brings, why would you rob a child of a life? And then why would you yourself rob as a mother, as a father, take away the, those future moments of joy and happiness from your own life. As a Christian, as a conservative, as a human being with morals, there should not be abortion. We should do everything that we can to stop the prevalence of abortion. And when you are having discussions with other people who believe in this, in this right to it, which again, there is no right, so don't even get caught up in that. There, there is no right, there is no constitutional right, there is nothing like that. But when you talk to people who believe that, need, that someone should have the option to have an abortion, do not attack them. Listen to them and then attack their arguments. Spread love while you are doing that. And hopefully, with each and every single discussion, we are able to change the hearts and the minds of one individual, two individuals, three, you know, continuing to snowball and snowball and snowball and save more and more lives of these unborn babies. It is my belief that we, that the children are our future. And we have robbed 70 million children of their own right to life. Thank you for listening to Counterthought, a podcast conserving America's freedom, culture, and values. Remember to subscribe and like or rate the podcast on your podcast app or on YouTube and engage with the podcast on Instagram at counter underscore thought at counterthought CEO or on Facebook at counterthought podcast.